hit record so that we don't pull a Meredith and Seth. <laughs> Excellent. Welcome to From the Bleachers of Real Housewives Game Analysis. I'm Sandra. And I am Mandy. And wasn't this a game this week? This was a fabulous game. I had so much excitement listening to this game and watching it. Yeah, I thought it was a good return to the fun from I just felt like last week was lacking a little bit. And this was this brought it all back. Last week dragged, but maybe it was just the long game setup for for today's excitement. They were setting up the the uh, pioneer lunch. My favorite, my favorite lunch of all time. (laughs) It was so good with the bonnets. (laughs) Okay, should we dive in? Let's get to it. Okay, so first we get a flashback to the bickering trio at the prison party where Lisa says, it's not that fucking deep, Monica. We get Meredith and Seth recording about their post-nup on their podcast. We get Angie reflecting that she is so focused on her daughter that she forgets that she's a wife. And then we get Lisa and Heather healing their friendship at Heather's book signing. And then we get our lovely choir music that just sets us right into Salt Lake City. And we're at Heather's house. She is FaceTiming with her daughter, Ashley, and she tells her that she enjoyed the support from Lisa and everyone at the book signing, and she wants to throw a luncheon for everyone to thank them for coming to the book party. And April 6th is the founding of the church, so she's going to throw a pioneer-themed lunch, and she ITMs that nothing gives her more pleasure than forcing Lisa to face traditional Mormonism and participate in Mormon handicraft. Now, I got to say, nothing gives me more pleasure than seeing light, playful Heather Gay. I loved this scene. It was me just, it, was, it set the tone really, really well for this scene, for this episode. Definitely set the tone for the whole episode. So then we're switching over to Monica's house and Monica is with her daughter, Bree. Bree is texting Anthony, uh, boyfriend prom date not sure, on the couch and Monica sidles up next to her for a chat. And we learn that Monica was prom queen her senior year. And she leaves to grab an ancient photo album with actual developed photos from a roll of film to show to her daughter. I liked the way the editors sort of had the little still shot camera photo of Monica with her little duck face. That was good. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Snarky editing. So they look at prom photos and then they're switching to other photos, including photos of Monica as a toddler pulling Vovo's hair. And Monica says the aggression started from a young age. She already knew who her mom was out the womb. I love her pronunciation of womb. Womb. (laughs) Womb. They move on to family photos in Bermuda. And then she says she has something for Brie and she produces tears. And this is our lead up. We know that probably a PTC is on its way. Sure enough, she plays a PTC that Vovo threw away photos of Monica's dad when he left when she was four. And so she doesn't know what he even looks like. And she doesn't want Brie to ever feel that. So she gives Brie a photo album with photos of her biological dad, who Monica left when Brie was one. And then we get a second PTC from Monica. It's a double PTC play that she had Brie young and she married her dad. He left the house one day and Monica came into the room to find one-year-old Brie playing with a bag of OxyContin. And she ITMs that she grabbed her daughter and she never looked back. Brie is giving us some tear play as well. As she looks at the album, Monica ITMs that she learned during this time in therapy to always be honest. She tells her daughter that she doesn't want her to feel like a whole piece of her is missing. I love that she brings up her therapist's advice to always be honest. I thought, what a great, what a great moment, Monica. We'll see how well we've applied this over everything in your life. (laughs) Foreshadowing? I don't know. Let's find out. But I'm loving this scene. I thought this was what we needed from Monica. Remember last episode, I was saying like, we just need the heart back. You know, it's it's too much confrontation. It's too much like obnoxious, uh, agitating everyone else. And this, we we come back and we, 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 she plays her PTCs. We see that she has a soft side. We see that she has a hurt side. It plays into her victim play. 
It was beautiful. We also got to see a little bit of her her childhood. I love the, you know, we all have those special, well, some of us have those special places we used to go to all the time as a child. And she brings up Bermuda. Mm-hmm. This is a great setup, right? She's talking about how she used to go to Bermuda every year. So just put that in your back pocket. So we end the scene with Monica explaining that Vovo is dressed up for Bree's birth in the picture because it was her day. And we get some great face play from Brie, both laughing and producing tears at the same time. Her hand is over her face. And by the way, I am putting all of the face play on our brand new social media now. So you can find it on Instagram and you can find it on TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> I can't either. I feel, I feel 20 years younger already. <laughs> So we go from this really wonderful scene, um, just comfortable family scene. We go to a restaurant. We see Angie and Sean pulling up to the restaurant. Um, Sean talks that a gentleman always opens the door for his lady. He compliments her outfit, which is a shiny metallic mock turtleneck top and either pleather or leather pants. And here's what I'm going to say about those pants. Elastic waistband. I love Very that. fitting. <laughs> Day before Thanksgiving, who doesn't want an elastic waistband pair of and leather? There was pants. a little like flower where the belt buckle would be. I loved this fashion play. This was great. This was great fashion play. So, Sean, they t- the whole scene here is that they haven't had time alone in two years. But I love that Sean immediately is like, there's this great Cabernet you always get for Angie. So, I guess they come here frequently with Electra. I don't know. Mm. Sean has coffee to drink. So the editors highlight the awkward nature of this drink and their inability to find something to talk about. Yes, I thought this was interesting. I was like, would this date seem so awkward without the the awkward music that they're playing in the backup and the close-up shots of like the little things like them adjusting the menus and like glancing at each other? Was there really that much silence or they just, you know, another scene, they would have just shown the talking moments. And in this one, they're just showing the silent moments. But Exactly. There's there's some there's some potentially heavy-handed editing that's going off here. Finally, they start to the conversation. Angie brings up they make it look like rainbows and unicorns at home, but when they're together, she feels at a loss for words. You know, she talks about how she finds his country music annoying and <laughs> how he finds her Humpty Dance annoying, and she, of course, doesn't understand why he finds that annoying. <laughs> I did. did you know what the Humpty Dance was? Yes, Sandra. Oh, I was born it. in 1974. Of course, I know what the Humpty <laughs> Dance is. I had to YouTube you it. just missed it out, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> I had to YouTube it and I understood why it was annoying. And I already inherently understand why country music is annoying. So, Oh, uh, sorry, country music <laughs> listener. Just lost you. <laughs> so one of the things that I really liked about... Angie, one of the things she said here that I really, that really resonated, I think, and that would resonate with viewers is how she doesn't like being alone with him because she can tell that she's annoying to her own husband. Mm. So that's some pretty good IFI and injury, fear, or illness, which we're sort of Mm. um, borrowing as well from the Game of Roses playbook Mm -hmm. that I think she sort of puts out there. That's her fear that. She's annoying to her own husband. She, he, you know, like it's uncomfortable to be around someone when you know they don't want to be with you. She gets some tear play in mm-hmm. and and just says, I don't know if we have any stuff in common. And Sean says they're not connecting. How do they prioritize themselves? Angie says, you know, we need to spend more time together. And Sean emphatically says, yes, alone. Then if we want to talk fashion, we've got an ITM from Angie in the most beautiful leopard print dress with leopard print gloves, sort of opera length gloves. It was really lovely. Beautiful is one word for it. But I just thought this entire screen capture right here with that, I mean, Angie's house, that view from Angie's house that she does her uh-huh. ITMs in, or I mean, I know she does them in front of a green screen, but that view out that back window with the beautiful Utah mountains in the background. She's got her tight leopard print thing with the gloves and like the cleavage showing. And then that silver choker with the gaudy cross hanging from it. I was like, this 
screenshot right here. This is Real Housewives of Salt Lake City in one screen capture. This could be like right? the show art. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And that's why I say it was beautiful. It was a beautiful dress. It just, <laughs> it was everything I want when I turn on my Real Housewives. What would you do? What would be one screenshot that would capture Real Housewives of Bend, Oregon? Oh, like an ITM screenshot or just a screenshot? Both either. I would say getting out of your Subaru in your mm. Patagonia puffy coat with your dog going to the dog park. It's got to be like top of the line Subaru because we need some wealth. It doesn't. Um, I have a really, my Subaru, my Subaru has duct tape on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not your Subaru. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what about um the Tesla? Like, isn't there a, uh, what's it called? This SUV Tesla. Could we get could we get an SUV Tesla with like a with like a ski rack on top? We can see the Rivian, the new Rivian um, electric vehicles. Our neighbor has one, oh. like a, a Rivian truck, and they've got their mountain bikes in the back. There you go. Okay, there we go. The family yeah, dog so out for the hike. The family dog out for the hike up in the mountains. That's absolutely Real Housewives of Bend. I'm just thinking of at our school when we pull up <laughs> and <laughs> we pull up for like drop off at for the overnight trips. And like the family that's got the the Tesla and all the doors come up and then they've every kid has their like $200 Patagonia bag for right. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking of. But I mean, yeah. well, I don't know if you have seen in the parking lot there at some point, there's been like, it's either a Porsche or some other sports car, like legit sports car that had a ski rack on top. Yes. And I was like, we're kind of defeating <laughs> Get up the, mountain the purpose. That. That's the <laughs> like... car you see rolled on <laughs> on its head when you're coming down the hill after a long day. Right. After uh, coming down from, from Mount Bachelor. Oy vey. Okay. Well, Angie, getting back to Angie and her ITM and her fabulous leopard print dress, she says she doesn't like to complain, but then it all comes out at once. Sean says, time to have a no compromise attitude about their time together. So essentially, this scene, what we're getting is a lot of stereotypes and tropes about relationships that are in trouble. And I, I'm pretty sure, let me scroll down here. Yeah, this is my error of the week right here. Mm. This is my error, error of the week is Angie. She shows up to this date. She doesn't offer anything really to the conversation about fixing her marriage. And she doesn't have any fight in her whatsoever in this scene. And so I thought this was an error. I, I was really disappointed in her, her here. And I thought it was just kind of sad, schlubby marriage problems that nobody really stood up to have any kind of innovative fix to. It's just we need to spend more time together, which is not a, a, a enough. Yeah, it does feel like her storyline's a little flat. She does great play when she's like joining the fight, you know, and she's like keeping herself in the middle of people. But her storyline yeah. is like, wah, wah. yeah. Yeah. And this you. is it's sort of like with her. She is the same way with Sean that she sort of is with Lisa, right? Where she just isn't. She doesn't have any courage. She has none of her Greek mm -hmm. fire in any of those scenes. There's no glass throwing by Angie with her husband. <laughs> she doesn't husband. manifest that kind of passion with him. When he says he doesn't like her Humpty Dumpty, she doesn't stand up and go, oh, bah, and throw the wine glass down on the ground it's in the little restaurant. Humpty Dumpty. Oh, what is it? This is not fairy tales. <laughs> you do the Humpty. Oh, okay. All right. I'm looking forward to you inserting a clip of that song. Minor differences. Moment. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get a upcoming flash forward to all the women in bonnets, shaking jars, trying to churn butter by hand, and Heather making her sexual innuendo joke play, claiming they've all done this for longer than six minutes. So we know we have that to look forward to. And after the commercial, we come back, we're at Heather's house, and cue the mountains in the choir again. Heather is unpacking burgers from Wendy's, and so we know who must be coming. Right, right away. We know this is a fast food feast. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> I was about to, but I, I changed my mind. Lisa, pulls I know, up. I, that was a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa pulls up in her black Porsche and she hits like this giant rock in the, in Heather's like roundabout driveway. And she creates a bravo, bravo, bravo moment here because she's talking to the crew. She says, I didn't see anything. Is it bad? Did I ruin my car? And we see a cameraman and a close up of the damage on the car. I thought that was a lovely Lisa moment. 
I always love when we get the bravo, bravo, bravo. I love a moment where the fourth wall essentially is broken down. So when Lisa goes into the house, we get an ITM from Heather joking. She's not sure if her homeowner's assurance is activated yet. And she's going to have to start a GoFundMe for her rock taking out Lisa's Porsche. Lisa says they're in a new place in their friendship. Heather has all her favorites from fast food to her favorite shortbread cookies. I love that that's her sign that they're in a new place. That they're just right. sucking up to her Some, with fast food. <laughs> right. Somebody, yeah, somebody sucked up to me with fast food. That must mean we're having a good time. Our friendship is deep. <laughs> <laughs> they go to Heather's white sitting room to chat. And we learn that Lisa keeps calling Jack's mission to Columbia bougie, which Heather assures her it is not. I am sort of, and maybe it's because I've recently read a lot of memoirs set, like not set in Colombia, but memoirs of people growing up in Colombia during mm. all of the, the drug wars and whatnot. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, like what, what is Lisa's experience in Colombia that she thinks it's a bougie country? Yeah, that's interesting. It's an interesting take by, by Lisa. Also, I read Heather's book and got a lot of more context around what a mission is like and that a mission is not bougie in general. Like it's it's all work and no play. Yeah, it sounds like it's pretty rough. Heather and Lisa are happy that they are in a good place with each other right now. And Heather feels like she's in a good place with everyone. She wants to plan a trip to reward themselves for everything they've been through. I think maybe, hey, we've been through a lot. Maybe we should plan a trip for ourselves. We should. Do you think that the producers <laughs> will pay for it? Do you think that the Bravo will fund our trip? I think right now we are the producers, so I think okay. we have to pay for it. <laughs> well, Heather says she went out with Monica last night and they talked about going to Bermuda for Monica's birthday because Monica has family there. Oh, my God. That was foreshadowing in the photo <laughs> album. You oh, called it. thought. They flash back to this scene that didn't make air, and we see Heather tell Monica that she has to make peace with Lisa so that Lisa can go. And Monica says, okay, fine. In her very, like, Jersey short. Okay, fine. Fine. And then we get a definitely audio edited moment. I'm always looking out for these. There's not nearly as many of them on Housewives as there are on Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise. But this was definitely cut in from somewhere else because we're off face from Heather. We're looking at Monica and she says, let's announce to everyone at the Pioneer lunch. But it's like, definitely you can, it sounds like it's, you can just, the sound you can levels just are like different, it's, yeah, everything. Yeah. It's from a completely different moment that they pulled into here. Um, and you can hear this weird cutoff after lunch, like she was going to keep going, but they just cut, they just cut that sound bite off. No. And it's nothing listener that you would ever notice in our editing. Of our podcast. <laughs> Maybe last episode where we talked for an hour, 40 minutes, but there's a lot of things, uh, which is why I'm still editing that episode. We're going to be more <laughs> concise this time. <laughs> Heather tells Lisa she really thinks Monica is going to make things right. And Lisa says she doesn't care if she's there. Monica is not her problem and she is not interested in an apology from her. I think Lisa is interested in an apology from her, but, um, but that's just me. Well, after that scene, we get to go to the bar um, and we get to hang out with Whitney and Angie some more. So Whitney comes in in her tight, short, bright pink zebra dress, which is pretty fabulous. Mm -hmm. um, Whitney can rock that kind of style. Angie comes in and they order and you get this really fantastic, this bartender where they're at gives this really sort of flat, like, okay, whatever. So he was my bystander of the week just for his total lack of interest. I don't know why the editors <laughs> highlighted him in that moment, but he could really give a shit. <laughs> and so that made him uh, immediately beholden in my heart. I, I really loved him all of a sudden. And I, I gave him bystander of the week. Okay. So yeah, that's it. That's all that came out of the scene. Just kidding. Okay, so Angie talks about how important it is to have girl time. And, and of course, she and Whitney are just agreeing about how important it is for them to take care of themselves because they spend so much time taking care of others. And Angie talks about how awkward her date night was last night. So what we're going to get from the scene, we can tell, is going to be a little bit more of this girlfriend, you know, how do we fix our marriage talk. Yeah. And when she says that it's the first time they, they've had a date night in two years, Whitney has awesome face play here. She does have awesome face play. 
there, there's a lot of interesting moments in this scene, actually, for all that I'm saying that it's set up kind of bland. But yeah, Whitney says they have the same problem. She and Justin, they don't know what to say to each other. She says, when they were first married, I was wearing lingerie and dinner was always cooked and I loved it. But then I wanted more. I wanted to develop myself. And now that both she and Justin are doing their own thing, there's kind of a void. And again, this is another moment that I found to be a very, it resonates a lot across marriages. Cause I think, I think it's something that a lot of people feel sometimes as they are growing as people and becoming different, your marriage changes and you have to either face that or ignore it. And it sounds like Angie and Sean have ignored it, but Whitney and Justin, it feels like are facing Whitney when when Angie confesses that they haven't had time together to be husband and wife, Whitney says, well, when do you have sex? Angie gives a very cagey non-answer where she says, we're fighting to get together with each other once a week. I don't think they're having sex once a week, personally. <laughs> Usually everyone inflates that number. Yeah. So then Whitney talks about her, your favorite spa. Whitney talks about a trip that she and Justin took in November for their anniversary. And they went to, to Sandra's favorite spa where you sit in a tub. Oh, when I saw that in your notes, I thought it was a typo. I was like, no, no, that was, I was like, oh, they're going to the spa that you Uh, love. The the spa where all the action happened with Jen Shaw. Great spa. Maybe you and I can take a trip there someday. I know, right? We could have a, it'll be like a Real Housewives tour. So, and Whitney said that she and Justin had a very open conversation where she, she asked him, do you still want to do this? And he said, do you? And she said, I don't know. And I really like this angle on their relationship. It shows that they're always making that choice to stay together. They're not just mm-hmm. going through the motions. They're really examining it day by day. Because I think um, a lot of times a a realistic marriage is that you are making that choice every day to be present with each other, to still know this person. I thought that was a great authentic moment from Whitney as well. A lot of her drama tends to be on high on the MDS, but um, this was like a great moment where she really was vulnerable and uh, opened that little window into their marriage. So we get that ITM from Whitney about how they're not the same people they were when they married. She's a lot more outspoken now, um, which is great. Like, you know, so we see some of this as part of her journey and her storyline this season is she is finding her voice and she is kind of growing up and running her businesses and and just finding out who she is. Yeah. I feel like this is this whole like being out more, more outspoken in her marriage and them having to like balance her work schedule with his now, which they didn't have to do before because she fully supported him is something that plays out a lot in the housewives franchises. And I think it's great because a lot of the, not everyone, but a lot of the housewives who gone really were like stay home before they found this, you know, reality star fame on the show. And then they start to put together these businesses and they start to get more confidence in themselves. And then they want, you know, in their marriage, they have to navigate that and what that looks like. And not all marriages survive that. And I actually think that the, it's weird because it's like, it's authentic drama that we're watching them go through, but it was created by the show. It's like, it's like, we almost need to create like a third category here. It's like meta drama. It's the drama we're watching that was created by the show in their life. It's like a side effect of the medicine almost, right? You know, but I think you have to have a certain amount of voice in your marriage if you have even gotten your husband to sign on to doing this, right? Mm-hmm. So there is that. But I think I, I imagine it could be a little bit like some of those experiences we have in life where <laughs> we don't know how invasive or challenging it will be until we are in it. And so a lot of them, you know, a lot of those husbands may not have realized this was was coming down the pike. I think they didn't know what they were signing up for. That's a big thing. That's a big trope in, uh, in bachelor bachelorette is that, you know, when, when people come off the show and they get a lot of like hate spewed at them online, people say, you know what you signed up for. It's like, you don't really know what you signed up for until you're in it. And I think that's probably what these, what these husbands are feeling like, Oh, I was great. Go out and do your own thing. They're like, wait, that means you're not around to like take care of the kids and cook for me and have sex with me whenever I want. Yeah. Sorry. It turns out I'm an, I'm an individual, my own human being. I have other things going on. Yes. So, so, and that's a, a little counter to all the people who like to take down 
what's happening on these shows is, you know, this is not just women taking down other women. This is, these shows are also women supporting other women and making, you know, finding their voice and becoming fully realized people. So yeah, it's super relatable. I can point to lots of like friends, marriages I've seen go through this and yeah, it's super loved this from Whitney. Me too. Me too. She also talks about how she doesn't really think people are meant to be monogamous in this scene. And, and Angie talks about how animals don't stay together. Like animals are not monogamous. So why should human being human beings be as well, unless they're ducks. And this is where we get Sandra's some great face play that Sandra has put on our, our social media. See, I thought ducks would be sluts, is what Whitney responds. Yes. And just before she delivers the line, she looks up and to the right, pondering deeply before she comes to the conclusion that she thought ducks would be sluts. And this face play, this very deeply ponderous face play about ducks and their fornication was my face Face play play of the game. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. Well, that's basically that scene. Um, so we we have revelations about what we thought ducks would be like. And we have revelations about like truly humanizing revelations about marriage. <laughs> Both excellent content. So then we're at Meredith's house and Meredith and Seth are there and they're having Whitney and Justin over to podcast. And Meredith's has such great branding play. She has got the podcast, their podcast hanging by a thread poster up everywhere, like huge poster up. They've got it like the stickers on their headphones and on their microphones and everywhere. And they're really making sure that people know their podcasts. And I've been following their podcast numbers on CastBox because CastBox- Are they going up? They are going up. They've more than tripled their subscriptions and downloads since the last time we recorded. Well, that is good news. I'm glad to hear that. So Meredith calls Seth a dirty, stinky boy. Justin says he's not a dirty, stinky boy. He bathes regularly. And then Whitney asks if she can publicly apologize right now about the bathtub comment she made. Um, And Meredith laughs and says they're good on the bathtub. So we know that this drama is now completely behind us. This was nice. This was actually a nice moment. I'm really enjoying in this season seeing our returning four, the four who have been here since the very start of this Mm -hmm. franchise. I'm really enjoying their friendships as they warm up and get deeper. Mm -hmm. Whitney thinks people are delusional if they don't think that marriage is constantly hanging by a thread. And Seth asks them the craziest place they've ever had Whoopi. They say under the desk with the head of HR in the room. This was some dicey (laughs) business. I was like, I was just thinking back to when I worked as an attorney and I was like, wow, can you imagine in your office? Like you're, you're, because at that point, I'm guessing she was a bit of fluff. Um, it might have been when he was still married, maybe um, to his first wife. Oh, and like, we need more context here. I guess we'll have to listen to the episode. I know, right? Of hanging by a thread. I think so. Yeah. Seth asks, what's the hardest thing they've ever been through? And Whitney plays a PTC here. She says, when Justin's dad died, Justin couldn't be there. And Whitney held his dad as he died. Meredith produces tears. Whitney says it's easy for her to step up for Justin because he steps up for her every day. And I loved that beautiful moment that shows why they have chosen to hang on by their thread to their marriage. Exactly. Right. It's sort of, it's a nice, they've got a nice through line kind of going on this episode with the exception of the scene from Heather. Basically everything since then has been focusing on marriages and how we choose to maintain our marriages and try and keep our marriages healthy. So it's been very lovely. They wrap up the recording and Meredith thanks them for being on the podcast. And we get a flash forward to Heather asking everyone at the Pioneer Lunch, who would they throw off their wagon? Heather, 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 Heather. (laughs) What are you thinking? (laughs) We cut to commercial and we come back and it's time for the Pioneer Lunch. All right, everybody, buckle up on your wagon. Okay. I've got my jazz hands going. Jazz I'm so excited. Hands. Are those those look more like spirit fingers? I've got my spirit, spirit fingers, fingers going. Jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we open up on a shot. Uh we are at Quiet Meadow Farm. Not to be quiet for long. And the music here was great. Their usual 
choir music was playing, but they had old Western music like mashed up with it. It was, I was right? like, okay, I see. Well, what's fun too is Heather is wearing this Scottish punk outfit kind of. She's got on this crazy kilt, this multicolored kilt, crazy coat, crazy top. And oddly enough, later on in the scene, all of that music underneath has this Celtic undertone. Mm. So it's like Celtic pioneer music. And we know that we had a lot of Scottish and Irish immigrants and, and whatnot coming all the way over to settle our West. I don't know how many of them became Mormon though. So Meredith's the first to arrive. She's got on some great brown, I'm going to call them leather and not pleather bell bottoms because I'm sure that would upset I her. I guess, unless one of them's legan, they're legan. And unless one of them's vegan, they're probably all shelling out the money for the leather. Good Lord. It would have to be. That was very a flowy fabric. So that would probably be a very expensive leather. Then Lisa shows up. She's got on some massive high platform spike heels. And she immediately is like, oh no, why are there bonnets? So <laughs> Meredith and Lisa joke, no more costumes. They're joking around. They're having fun. They're clearly referencing back to Palm Springs. So this is some nice light comedy. Whitney is also, she walks up and gives a what the hell? And then her ITM, like, what the fuck is happening? You wrote a book about leaving the Mormon church. And um, Whitney, of course, has been through very similar struggles with Mormonism as Heather, but it's just not her storyline. Monica shows up, gives this big, hi, Lisa, which she thinks, you know, and in, in the, the ensuing ITM, she says, you know, I woke up today and I decided to choose peace. I'm not sure how that hi, Lisa, <laughs> is an olive branch. It was a bit antagonizing in, in tone. It was definitely antagonistic. So Angie shows up last in her fabulous fur coat. Yes, she gets the editors the, ha- the tardy for the party. Yeah, like, but I th- there's no real reason for it. So I didn't think. Yeah, thought it was interesting that was she a, got. Yeah, she yeah. did come in with some well, great face play, though. She came in like she was. She had the best face play looking at those bonnets. She was like, "You're gonna make me wear what? <laughs> <laughs> Look at my hair! I can't put on a bonnet." And her hair was up in a really tight bun. So I thought of all the people, you could wear the bonnet best. The editors also have a lot of fun. There are goats on this farm. So they have a lot of fun splicing in goat moments into all of the the funny stuff. Heather makes her toast. She thanks them all for showing up for her book event. And as a, a thank you, she thought it would be fun to focus on the fun aspects of their pioneer heritage. And so, and she ITMs that, you know, all these things are so easy to find the buttered, churning jars, the bonnets. You can find them on a moment's notice because it's a. everybody loves that there in Salt Lake City. <laughs> so we then learn how to churn the butter. We fill our jars halfway with cream and then you just got to shake them until they come into butter. So then we have a lot of... Sorry, they come into butter. They get... <laughs> a lot of comedic moments, churning the butter, shaking them, dancing while shaking them. Um, you know, basically hand job jokes are going left and right. Meredith, when Heather says it's time to move on, Meredith refuses to stop shaking her cream. And we get a very funny little quick ITM. My parents raised me to start what you finish. I thought Meredith in this moment, I felt like Meredith is the only one of them, except for maybe Heather, who would have survived the wagon train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Most of them would have not had butter on their their corn cakes mm-hmm. <laughs> as they were traveling. Then Heather teaches them all how to make a little doll. And I was I really wish they had spent more time showing us the dolls a little bit better. They do have this fun <laughs> bit where every doll has the name that the housewife has given their doll. Mm-hmm. And you get a quick cut of that doll with their name um, in script on the screen. But not enough to really savor what's happening with these <laughs> dolls. Meredith's pink pioneer is kind of a train wreck. I didn't, I, I couldn't even see the face on that doll. Um, Lisa's got Trina, the trucker, very cute. Angie has her little Margaret one. Whitney has her celestial doll. And then Heather of course has Eunice. Um, and she has this very funny ITM where she's, you know, she's a good time girl. And see, this is her churning butter, which of course looks like a dirty little doll doing something dirty. And the music slows to a stop. We've got this good comedy edit while she's doing that, which 
this in this moment, this is more of that really fun Heather Gay. And I can see why Jen Shaw really enjoyed having her around. Yeah. I, Heather makes a great like comedic commentary. And yes. they, they really brought her back in this episode as that. And I was enjoying yeah. her very much. I loved it. I loved it very much. So in some ways, I feel like for the doll part of this, we did have a tardy for the party because they saved Monica for last. <laughs> Monica's doll gets the TFP. The TFP. Molly Mormon with a TFP. Um, and she has a scarlet letter to remind good pioneers on the trail that this is what the church is about. Forgiveness and welcoming black sheep into the fold. Lots of editing of eye contact here between Monica and Lisa. Lisa's kind of going back and forth between an uncomfortable face to a smile to an uncomfortable face. I'm not really sure that that was like how those faces went legit. I think Monica doesn't know what a scarlet that scarlet letter is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's about forgiveness. Uh, I think it's about like roasting you and punishing you in front of everyone, making an example yes. of you. <laughs> this is yes. Yes. Uh, I'm glad you bring that up because if anyone has read the Scarlet Letter, they know that Hester Prynne was given that A for adultery and was essentially vilified by the whole community of Puritans. So yeah, Monica really gets that one wrong. Really, really wrong. So we get a flash forward to some confrontation play and some glass throwing at the Pioneer Lunch, which brings us to part two. Yes, we go to commercial, we come back, they're sitting for lunch, and the menu is Pioneer inspired. You can see Heather's put a lot of work into this, at least into the plant, into the brainstorming and planning of it. You get a close up of a giant diamond ring as they're showing the food <laughs> coming out. I like that part. What did we call that? A show me the money play? Yes, there's a little bit of, but we don't know whose hand it is. No, probably <laughs> figure it out, but we'll save that until we're a little deeper into the pit a month from now or so. Oy. As the food is being passed, Heather learns that Lisa has never had funeral potatoes, which I guess is a common Mormon dish. Did you look that up? I did not look it up. Okay. I didn't look it up either, but I really want to know what goes into them. Oh, I'm looking at one recipe and it looks like they have cornflakes on top. I'm into it. Oh my God. <laughs> I want this. <laughs> <laughs> when Heather learns that Lisa has never had funeral potatoes, she says she can't Mormon with her. And then <laughs> Heather performs the some fire stoking play. And this is what we've had lots of flash forwards to and previews for over the past couple of episodes. And she says, we're going to play a game called who's on your wagon. Oh, Imagine my you're on a wagon train. The winter is setting in and our wagon has too much weight. So one person has to go. Who do you throw off your wagon? And I've, you know, this is 100% a producer-inspired game, but for being a good sport and going along with the ploy to stir things up between Lisa and Monica, this who-do-you-throw-off-your-wagon game from Heather was my play, play of, of the, the game. game. Pow, 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 pow. Because of everything that's about to unfold. This was absolutely the play of the game. I don't know if you could find another human being who would disagree with this. This was... Bar none, the best hot stir I have ever seen in my life. So Lisa said, uh, they don't even show anyone else's answer. We're just, <laughs> apparently everyone else's answer was boring. We go straight to Lisa, who I'm pretty sure was the last to share. They saved her for last. And she says, well, she supports women. So she'd keep everyone but the one person who is nastiest to women. And that is Monica. This is some confrontation play here that Lisa has started. I felt like there was a lot of crazy editing. There was a lot of obvious gaps in the editing mm. of the scene. And I actually didn't even put together that, yes, probably everybody else had already said something by the time they got to Lisa, because it was weird that it was Heather makes that, she stirs that pot, asks that question, and Lisa is the like immediately what we get, and it's immediately nasty. So I don't know. Yeah, I would be curious what Monica said. Yeah. What, what did everyone else say? I want to know. We need that footage. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we don't. Maybe it was boring. But um, you can hear when someone asks 
Lisa to go, it sounds like they're like, okay, now it's finally Lisa's turn. Like it sounded like there had been a few before, at least to me. Uh, See, I only watched this episode twice and I like to get a third (laughs) watch in because those are the things that I pick up on that third viewing. Monica says that Lisa is nasty and they go back and forth on who's nasty and other such bickerings. And then we get a wonderful impression of Lisa's voice by Monica. Oh, I wish I could do, I wish I could do an impression of Lisa's <laughs> voice like that. That was great. And then they revisit Lisa saying that no one wants to be Monica's mother and um, Monica comparing Vovo to Ted Bundy. And Lisa says, Ted Bundy would kill people, have sex with them, decapitate them, and eat them. And Whitney ITM's Lisa has Ted Bundy confused with Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, we're getting a lot of um, (laughs) social history, literary history mix-ups going on here in the scene. There's more bickering back and forth between them and... To try to cut out the tension, Angie is delivering tings on a glass with her fork. I believe it's a fork. Mm-hmm. This is a sacred piece of the game in Bachelor and Bachelorette, the tinging of a glass to get people's attention. Oh. And so I was surprised to see its use in this game as a way to try and break up confrontation play. I counted somewhere around 15 or 16, t- 16 tings, which is a bit more aggressive than dark... Lord Harrison or Dark Lord Palmer does on The Bachelor Bachelorette. Um, but it's not effective. Angie stands up as the tings aren't working. And we see Monica call Lisa nasty on the inside and ugly. And Lisa says there's nothing uglier than a liar. And soon all the women are trying to get Monica to bring the level down, including Whitney, Heather, and Angie. And this was where there was a serious gap in the editing because I feel like Mm. more must have been said. Monica must have done more for all of those women to basically be, nobody is asking Lisa to shut it down, but Mm. all of them are on Monica. So she must have done something that we did not get to see. Or maybe not. And that's why she's saying, why are you about Lisa was delivering it just as much. Maybe the editing is trying to turn us against Monica here. Yeah. Heather says Monica is being crazy, but Angie will not be outdone or out crazied in Monica <laughs> and Angie's competition for rookie of the year. And so she, she yells Oppa from her standing position and she smashes her glass on the ground and says, be quiet for a minute. This was great Greek moment. Great Greek <laughs> behavior. Although I think that's supposed to be a celebratory thing, the throwing in the Oppa. Monica produces tears and she ITMs that she is being made to feel like she is in the wrong when she's just defending herself. And this is very triggering. And it compares and she compares it to her situation with her mom. So she's back on the victim play here. The victim play is starting to get a little tiresome, a little repetitive. But again, maybe that's the editing. Maybe we're missing something that Lisa did. I don't know. Heather pulls Monica aside to turn butter together and says that they need to announce the trip. And Monica says she's not going. And then we cut to commercial. The uh, editors bring us back from commercial. We get those last few seconds replayed with. Oh, Heather. but wait, first. Oh. Right back commercial from the commercial, drama? we get. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we get some great goat face play. Yes, the goat face. I loved the goat edits. I thought they were fabulous. It was almost my face play of the game. <laughs> so we, um, they take us back a few seconds. So we're we're flowing right into this conversation between Monica and Heather. Monica's not going on the trip. Heather sincerely doesn't understand what Lisa said that was so bad. And Monica says, you know, it's not that. It, it's that you all were against me. And when Heather says that, she says, what did she say that hurt you? Monica has this, she turns, she turns suddenly towards her with her bonnet clouding over her face. And this, like, she just can't believe the words that are coming out of Heather's mouth. How can she not see what Lisa is saying? And then her surprised look, her, she's got like wide eyes and like kind of a a semi wide mouth, but like almost the duck lips coming out. I can't tell if that's just the like plump lips or or if that's part of the face play but this face play this shock that heather can't see things from her side was my no it wasn't my face play the game did i already do a face you already had face play of the game what was it 
<laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was your second the silver medal. Oh, it was Whitney. Play? Oh boy, they're both so good. Yeah. Okay, no, I'm gonna stick with Whitney. I'm gonna stick with Whitney and the like looking up to the side with the ducks. That was that was my okay. Scratch that. This was good face play, but Whitney and pond the deep pondering of the book of the ducks. That was that was okay. You sound like me when we get to MVP. I I went through I back and <laughs> forth. I debated so much because there was so, such great play in mm-hmm. this game. So I think Heather is really, you know, at the end of this scene when Monica says, "I," and, and we get previews of it where she says, I can see why Jen Shaw never had anything nice to say about Heather and Lisa. This is one of those moments where Heather really does come across as a little Machiavellian. Like she's a mm. little bit manipulative, mm. you know, to sit there and say, what did Lisa say that was so bad? Like, like you know, you know. I had the same face as Monica, kind of like, come on. <laughs> and Monica is like, no, it's just that you are all against me right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really triggering her as we learned in her previous IT. So Lisa comes over and she says, and you can find this. Sandra has posted this on TikTok and on oh, Instagram, yes. our apology rating system. Yes, Lisa has apology play here, and I promised you guys last episode that I would come prepared with a apology scoring rubric, which I have put together, and I'm going to go it over, go over it with you now. Apology play can be rated on a five point scale. There are five points. The first point goes towards taking accountability. So this sounds like actually saying the words "I'm sorry" or "I apologize" or something in that vein. Point number two comes from being specific about what you are actually apologizing for. So point number two is be specific. Point number three comes from acknowledging the impact. How did your behavior affect the other person? Point number four comes from committing to fix. So saying how you'll change the behavior or um, going forward or how you're going to fix things. And then the last point is a check-in. So this could be you're asking for forgiveness or you're asking for feedback. What might you be missing in your apology? What else can you do or say to make things better? So those are the five points that are possible. However, you can have minus points. You can get a minus point if you make an excuse or by like saying, I'm sorry, but, um, or placing the blame somewhere else. And you can also get a minus point for a snarky tone or face play over your running through your apology. I love this. I love this. I didn't realize about the negative points. You're going to have to send me this rubric so that I can look at it. I will send you the rubric. And you guys can find the analysis of the two apology plays that we're about to go over on our social medias. And we should probably drop our social medias in. Uh, On Instagram, it's Real Housewives of Bend, Oregon, right? Mm -hmm. And then TikTok, I don't understand how they give out because I chose one and then they like changed it on us. But I think it ended up being Real Housewives of B1. Yes. So the letter B and the number <laughs> so I one. I apologize for so. that terrible name. But that's where you can find us and you can find my little um, apology analysis videos. And, and how it is ranked. So Lisa says, if you need for me to acknowledge that your mom is not nice to you, I'm sorry. And by me saying I saw her being nice, that does not negate any of your feelings. So, Sandra, we've given her a one for taking an accountability. Yes, wait, but you missed. She also says at the end, she says, is that where I missed? Is that where I missed? That's important because that comes into the scoring. Yeah, Yeah, that's her check-in. I was wondering about that. It was pretty, it was really rushed and it was hard to tell like if she really understood what she was saying, if she was really being specific. So that's why there's some half points in here. So I gave her one point for taking accountability. She she says um, that she acknowledges, she actually says, I'm sorry. She says the words, I'm sorry. I gave her half a point for being specific. So it was a little unclear exactly what she was apologizing for, but maybe it was for it. See, I kind of disagree with that. I think that was pretty, I think that was specific for saying like, I'm sorry that like, I need to acknowledge that I said your mom is not nice to you. Like you need me to acknowledge that I'm doing that. And if I like, like me saying that I saw her being nice, I'm acknowledging that that doesn't negate any of your feelings. All right. Well, Mandy would give it a half point more than me. And then acknowledge the impact. I think she did that sort of because she says, 
it does not mean I negate any of your feelings. So she's kind of implying that she had negated her feelings. Yep. Yep. Again, it was just kind of clear and rushed. Like if she was delivering this apology to me, I wouldn't be so sure that she had hit those points. Cause it was just like the kind of all jumbled together. Yeah. Yeah. In the moment, it's hard to know what, what you would feel right. And how it would feel. And then she sort of fixes it. She, she sort of, is fixing it by saying um, she's acknowledging that her mom is not nice to her. So I gave her like a half a point for fixing. Not that she necessarily says she's going to change her behavior, but just that she's kind of like fixing what she said before. And then and she I does gave in her- that scene, in that scene, she does sort of say, you know, like I want us to, it doesn't, I don't want it to be this way. Like we can yeah. move forward. So that is kind of a, a commitment as well. Yeah. And then when she says, is that where I missed? She's kind of checking in with her. Is this landing? Do you need more from me? I thought that was excellent. That last, that last one, I gave that a full point. And so my final rating for her was a 3.5. Maybe we can give an extra half point in there. As as Mandy was saying around the being specific. So maybe a 3.5, a four. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good apology. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 I don't know that necessarily we need to raise the, the specificity ranking or grade, but so it was, a. I thought overall, this apology play, I thought this adds to Lisa's, it adds to her humanity. Like it's again, we're seeing her trying to be a supportive human. We're seeing her trying to think about others more than herself in some of these moments, which is really, it's really nice. Like she is, she is not being prideful. She is willing to swallow it. Yeah. And I think just maybe this is a good moment to say, why is apology play important in this game? And I think that's because, yes, we want to see our housewives fighting with each other. Yes, we want to see some drama, but we want to buy into that facade that is being sold to us, that they're all friends and that they all have fun together. And you can't do that if you can't move on from the drama that has happened. And if you can't apologize, like grow as a person, accept other people's apologies, and then like move forward and still be friends afterwards. It helps put Lisa very much in the 4TRR category, right? That she's here for the right reason. She's here because she is, she truly wants to be friends with these people and to spend time with them and have adventures and deep, meaningful conversations and really good fast food. (laughs) So Lisa then ITMs about, you know, I'm going to be the bigger person. And she is being the bigger person, I think. Although sometimes admitting that you're being the bigger person isn't (laughs) being the bigger person. We'll see if we can loop that any more confusingly. Monica uh, (laughs) gives her, I'm just going to apologize for saying you were ugly. I didn't mean that. That was, yes, that was. Sandra, tell us how Monica did on the scale. (laughs) Very brief apology. (laughs) So, okay. She takes accountability. She says, I'm going to apologize. I mean, the saying you're going to apologize the same as saying you do apologize. I'm not sure, but we'll give it to her. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) One for taking accountability. She gets one for being specific because she's, she says, I'm apologizing for saying that you're ugly. There's no acknowledgement of the impact of how that might've made Lisa feel. So there's zero there. There's no commitment to fix anything going forward. So that's a zero. Um, and there's no check-in to zero. That's a two-pointer. Now remind me again about the the points you can lose. You can lose points for... If you have a snarky tone over the top that m- makes it seem like you don't really mean it or like a, fa- like a sarcastic face play or um, if you're making excuses like a but, blah, 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 or trying to place the blame somewhere else. Okay. Okay. I didn't see any of those things. The question is, you've got Heather in the background who is looking at Monica like she is Monica's crime boss or her pimp and just sort of like, you do this or you go sleep with the fishes kind of face <laughs> on Heather. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering where that impacts the score. If you are being forced to do it because yeah, it, it did seem a little the bit big forced. dog says you better do it or we're yeah. not going to Bermuda where you actually don't want to go at this point. Right. So I thought that was really interesting about Heather. Like she like this, she really is coming off in this scene is very, very controlling and very manipulative. Yeah, she's like the, the, what are those pups called? Marionettes. She's like the, yeah, the yeah she is the puppeteer. The, there you go. The puppeteer, puppeteer controlling, holder. controlling the puppet holder. <laughs> She's the hand with a puppet on it. It's just like she was with her little doll Eunice making Eunice churn butter. Yes. 
Yes. My God, she would be she would be a fierce madam. So Lisa accepts the apology and, you know, let's take a deep breath. Let's move forward. I love Meredith's little, are we peaceful? We don't have to be besties. We just need to be peaceful. So from there, we move on to Heather's clever little reveal. These are not table decorations. It's a guessing game about where she and Monica are inviting them to go on a passport required trip. And we get great face play from Whitney here. Like, oh, what? She's very excited. She loves to leave the country. Who doesn't want to go on a passport required trip? Which goes back a little bit to the crime boss. Like, are we trafficking them? (laughs) Oh, see, I thought this. Yeah, this is a dig. I thought at Jen Shaw, RIP Jen Shaw, because they couldn't go out of the country during the seasons that uh, Jen Shaw was lawyering up. Oh, yeah. No, that's a really good point. She had an order to stay in the country. And so they couldn't take any big trips like this. But they didn't really take any big trips anyway. They never went out of the country in any of the previous seasons. That might have been COVID, though. Oh, that's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. So this is probably the first season that this Housewives franchise has been able to go on a big trip, first because of COVID and then because of Jen Shaw's lawyer at play. All right. So Heather is pushing Monica to cheer up and help her announce this. We Monica is done. She is done. She is sapped of everything. They sort of reveal there's a seashell, beach, island, pink sand beaches, Lisa, Bermuda. So she knows it. And then Heather says, tell them why there is a little skull. Monica, because we are all going home to hell, to Devil's Triangle, where we all belong. Monica is in tears. She has been crying. So she's got a lot of tear play, a lot of victim play going on here. Mm -hmm. Heather's been working this very subtle confrontation play on Monica. It's kind of a villain edit on on Heather, um, mm. and it's probably a little deserved right now. I feel like Heather is, is definitely being a little bit of a villain to Monica. Um, and Heather is like, you're not going on the trip. Monica just says, I don't think it's a good idea anymore. And then Heather does like directly confront her. This is another bit of her confrontation play. This is a totally different energy from you. You were attacking Lisa full force. Now you're crying and acting like we all came at you. Should we rewind? Didn't they all come at her? So, and that's where we get Monica's ITM. I used to always wonder why Jen Shaw, RIP, never had anything nice to say about Heather and Lisa. But now I know why. And then Heather is just trying to put, you know, flowers on on dog shit. Well, Bermuda is going to be great fun. Um, and there's this awkward editing again, where there's a cut from Heather saying Bermuda is going to be great fun. And then where is that Monica? And then Monica says, she's dead. Y'all killed her like Taylor Swift said. I love that line. (laughs) It was so good. And you know, that's why there's that awkward edit because they were like, we have to get this moment in there, even though it doesn't quite fit from the last moment we had with Heather. Oh yeah, I'm glad they squeezed it in there. And Heather's face play to that line was was great also. Just kind of like, "Uh actually I had like- I had several face plays. I was going back and now that I'm taking that out, I'm like taking pictures of all of them and comparing them. I'm like, man, that's really hard to choose. They're all so great. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a lot of great face play reels going on on our yes. Instagram. From Monica's two point apology play through the end of this last scene. This was my error of the game. Oh, interesting. Tell me more. Her inability to accept Lisa's apology, which I understand it was a quick apology, but Lisa did say, is that where I missed? So there could have been like a chance to keep working it out, which she doesn't try and do her inability to see her own wrongdoing and fully accept responsibility for it. It's it's starting to turn the players slowly, all the other players slowly against her. And I'm kind of like seeing some writing on the wall here. I feel like it's not going great for her as far as like And I also feel like this whole thing with, yes, it made Heather look like a little bit of a villain when she was, when she was like getting on Monica, like, come on, be excited for the trip. Stop being such a party pooper. But I also felt like it was a, what, what do you call it? Not a rookie player, but a a seasoned player Uh kind of like trying to tell Monica, this is what we do when we go on a cast trip. We all get really excited about it because we're all friends and you're not following the formula. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're off script here. Yeah. So it's kind of like making Monica look like a little bit of a wet blanket here. She is starting to lose. She doesn't really have anyone on her side right now. And that's where I'm worried about the future 
So I'm just kind of like maybe a little worried that if she can't turn it around, if she can't get someone back on her side, that uh, this is not a great for Monica going forward. No, it isn't. And I think one of the possible nails in the coffin is when we see what's happening next week on the next episode and she goes to hang out with Mary Cosby. Oh. <laughs> and I just feel like if the only person left for you to get on your side is Mary Cosby, you are not doing well. Fair. So I agree. That's a great that I, I sort of struggled with, with who the heir of the week was going to be. And after last week's showing by Angie, I, you know, she was MVP last week. I think I can't remember. I should go back and check, but I think you and I picked different MVPs last week. I think I picked, we both picked, we both picked veteran players. I picked Lisa, I think, and you picked Heather. Yeah. Yeah. And I picked Heather. But okay. And so we, I may be going back Angie to episodes. The week before. Yeah. At this point, we get our, um, our little teaser for what we're going to see next week. We're going to see Seth asking Heather who her perfect man is. And there's some good comedy there. Seth always does a nice job bringing comedy. Heather doesn't want Pioneer Part Pioneer Day Part 2 to happen in Bermuda. Whitney says she just got a really bad message. There's like she's in the car with Justin and it's like, I just got a really bad message, which gives you I like it just takes me back to sort of season two, right? Mm-hmm. With like all the Jen Shaw in the van, like mm-hmm. here comes the FBI. Yeah, something big is coming. Monica tells Mary uh, that Lisa gets really nasty. Lisa, we get a scene of Lisa telling Meredith the whole thing with Angie just felt icky. And she doesn't want to be around this anymore. I'm not sure what that's going to be all about. We don't know, do we? Mm-mm. And then Whitney tells Lisa everything's about her. And Le- there's a great scene of them fighting in kind of a hotel ballroom looking yeah. space. I, I, I took over the the next time. This is all your notes. So if you want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't. We don't really know what this is going to be between Whitney and Lisa. So that's really interesting. Yep. The Lisa yep. telling Meredith the whole thing with Angie felt icky might just be her still getting hung up on the fact that Angie was not telling her about how about her mending things with Monica. I don't know. Monica, yeah. Yeah, which she needs to let go of. She's very like, yeah, Lisa's very good at letting go of things to make an apology play, but not always actually letting go. Yeah, maybe not actually letting go, right? All right. Tell me about your MVP. Okay. So I know Heather wasn't directly involved in any of the drama this episode, but she was the puppeteer. She organized the Pioneer Lunch, which was just TV freaking gold. She orchestrated the apology plays between Lisa and Monica. She stoked the fire with her who do you throw off your wagon game that launched the lunchtime drama and her boulder caused Lisa's Porsche to crash into it. And for overall, just being the master (laughs) planner and executor this episode, Heather was my MVP. I love it. I love it. I struggled so much with the MVP. I was debating between three players. Mm -hmm. I was debating between Whitney for her heart, for bringing the Mm -hmm. real life humanizing problems of marriage and being a really good role model, actually, to viewers on how you make that choice every day to be with your marriage. I really loved that. So real world, she would get my MVP. But in in this game, I got to say, I also felt that Heather deserved the MVP, but... I went instead with the more active MVP, the one who mm-hmm. gave us some great PTCs. As you said, two PTCs mm-hmm. in one scene. She had great heart. She had um, astonishingly strong victim play for a lot of this episode. She does a great 180 and brings the drama at the Pioneer Lunch. She had really awful apology play, which I think in some ways is good play. <laughs> So I gave Monica my MVP, even though I have concerns for her. But I think without her, I agree without Heather, obviously, this wouldn't have happened. But really without Monica there, we wouldn't have seen a lot of heart and a lot of drama. (laughs) Wow. I feel like I feel like you get MVP of our podcast episode for I, I feel like you couldn't you a couple episodes ago, you just couldn't give it to Monica. You couldn't bring no, yourself I, to do it. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have done it. And I think she's gotten she's gotten two awards from me now, like one each week. Oh, so. so for falling deeper into the pit, Mandy is my <laughs> MVP <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> oh, there is no way for, for creating the apology rubric for, 
for bringing all the style on how we analyze this. You are the MVP of the podcast. Wow. <laughs> wow. Such great play. All right. That's good friendship play, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm super excited to see where our ladies take us next. You know, listeners, you can uh, comment on whether you want us to discuss spoilers that we learn out there in the land of social media about our players or whether we should just stick strictly to the pod. There's some big stuff out there right now. And we're trying to decide whether we bring it in here or not. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Where do you draw the line? I can't wait to see what what is happening between Lisa and Whitney. What is this big message that Whitney gets? It's going to be great. I'm looking forward to some more face play. I really want some more apologies to analyze. And uh, it's good. It's a good season. It's really, it's been a great season so far. How many episodes are there in the season? Do we know? Are we going up into the 20s? Or do you think it'll just be in the high teens? I don't know. What are we on now? 11? So we should at least have like seven left, you'd think. Although didn't you didn't we see that they already said what the reunion seating is? Yeah, which is crazy. crazy. That is crazy to me. And that's again us. I don't know if we want to talk about the spoiler and right and what the points are going to be. I'm going to leave it out for now. But yeah, so a lot coming your way, listener. We'll see you guys next time on From the Bleachers. That was an amazing face. <laughs> when you got it, like, it's a shame it's not a visual medium. <laughs>